Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what's popping in the culture. And my guest today, besides being one of the best actors on the planet, which is something if you've watched him through the years, you just always go, is that that guy? He's so good, no matter what he plays. I mean, you could be uh, Gus Fring in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. You can be Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian. You can be Stan Edgar in The Boys. But you're not. You are, And I'm going to ask you to do this, John Carl. I'm going to ask you to say exactly what your name is and how to pronounce it. My name is Giancarlo Giuseppe. Alessandro Esposito. (laughs) I don't think I can do all the middle names, but the Esposito is something I think I've mispronounced through the years as Esposito. And I think there's a lot of people that do that. What's wrong with us? Well, I think it Esposito, so the Espositos were um, equivalent to exposed child uh, in in, uh, Italian. Uh, esposito in Spanish means little husband. So, uh, but the, the, the legend of the name comes from uh, an esposito, a priest who was the head of an orphanage and gave everyone in the orphanage his last name so that they could be legitimized. So it means illegitimate child in many ways in the old culture, but esposito in Italy is like Smith in America. So there are many, many of us, many, and I, I, many of us. Uh, But to pronounce it correctly, we were trained by Phil um, Esposito, the hockey player back in our day. And that's how we pronounced it when you were in America, New York or in Boston. Uh, So (laughs) it was Esposito. To make it even more complicated, uh, you're born in Copenhagen. (laughs) That's correct. Yes, my mother was performing with Josephine Baker at the time doing a supper club act, having come off many years of singing opera where she met my father at La Scala, a La Scala in Milan. And also they traveled together um, to uh, the boot of Naples and performed at San Carlo Opera House. Uh, So, um, but when she was in Copenhagen, Denmark, uh, she was performing with Josephine Baker and that's where I came out. (laughs) That's where I was, that's where I was dropped off. (laughs) So multicultural in all ways, African-American mother, Italian father, born in Copenhagen. You are just the citizen of the world, aren't you, Junkard? I certainly feel that way, especially today when all of our technology has allowed us to communicate across oceans and beyond mountains. Uh, We're becoming a world that knows a lot about each other, uh, via our telephones and our social media, and also the, the world-class films that are happening um, once again in our world. I can't imagine there was a time in your life where in this pandemic, you didn't work. <laughs> what were you doing when there was no work? You know, you make that first, first phone call to the accountant to say, how long can I last? especially when you have a big family and uh, a family that lives in different locations um, and you, you're, I'm responsible for kids in college and a kid on her own and another kid on her own. Um, so I, that was the first phone call. And after taking a deep breath going, oh, you can go a few months or you can go a few weeks. I went, well, how can I go for a little bit longer extending the creative ideas that I've been holding within and wanting to implement and bring to fruition for so long? And so pandemic was a time for me to slow down and refocus 
what my vision for my creativity is outside of just being an actor for hire. So um, you may know I'm a director as well yes. and also a producer. And I want to tell stories in a certain way that um, have an uplifting quality about them or at least a quality that allows people to see the through line of what their life is or what they wish their life could be. During pandemic, um, that leads me to just say quickly that I developed a, um, a podcast, which we're just getting off the ground. It's been now purchased and I can get out there to talk to other actors about their experience. That's what the podcast will be about, talking to other actors about their experience. It came up surrounding bad guys because many people look at me and think that I play quite a few nefarious or characters with an agenda. And so I thought it would be great to get inside the headspace of an actor who does that. I do other things as well, but of course people know me from Breaking Bad, which was a guy who was really controlling most of the elements that were a part of his storyline. And Stan Edgar, who's the company guy, yeah. as you mentioned, from The Boys. But I've had a chance in the last year to play some good guys as well, and I wanted to be able to extend some of the thinking through my podcast to what it takes to be an actor and how to dull down your humanity to be inhumane. And then I wanted to also develop stories that were humane. So the pandemic was busy for me and I, I feel blessed to have had that time. Even when you were playing a baddie, even when you played somebody like that, you always gave them humanity. You gave them a sense that they were real people so you can't dismiss them outright as monsters. It's impossible. I mean, I would think it's not even interesting to play just somebody who was one thing. And you never do. I try to look at roles in a different way because I think that human beings have the ability to be both light and dark. So the characters I play who seem to be have an agenda and whether it be money or greed or revenge were once good people. <laughs> that's, that's what I'd like to think. And so to me, that opened me up and specifically and especially with Breaking Bad because to play Gustavo Fring, I wanted to think about playing a guy who was a little bit different than just the vengeful, hated guy who is the bad guy, but a person who really has all the human traits and qualities that you and I do. Before, when I was introducing you by some of the characters you played, is that sometimes sticking your craw that people would see you on the street or in a restaurant and say, Gus, you know, or or other characters that you played because they attach themselves so much to these characters you've created. It is the truth. Um, I get stopped and people, you know, call me Gus or, oh, wow, you're that guy, that Edgar guy that, you know, runs Vought. Um, uh, they stopped me for many of Spike Lee's movies, School Days, and Do the Right Thing as well. And, uh, and lately, yeah, hug it out. I'm, and I'm seeing it. Getting his Jordans all smudged. That's exactly <laughs> right, you know. Uh, and then lately, it's been quite a bit of folks stopping me from off Gideon from Mandalorian, which is a huge, a largely successful show around the world. Um, equally so with a show called Godfather of Harlem, where I play a wonderfully bad good guy in a historical figure, Adam Clayton Powell Jr., who actually lived and was one of our first African-American statesmen, first African-American congressman from Harlem, a preacher, as well as an incredibly wonderful and very smart lawyer who changed the tide and wrote part of the Civil Rights Act 
to be able to change things for many people. So I've had the real blessing of playing this particular character because he's fun um, and also very smart, witty, uh, but someone who exacted change in our lifetime. And that's a wonderful thing to be able to have the responsibility of portraying him in a way that we can really look at this guy and go, he was an amazing human being. Why don't I know about him? Isn't that the fun of being an actor? Isn't it really fun that you can research and get inside the head and sometimes the heart and soul of the character that you're playing? That's That seems to be the challenge and probably the most rewarding aspect of it. For me, it, it truly is because to me, that represents an education. I, I luckily um, had been exposed to Adam Clayton Powell Jr., when I was young and went to Abyssinian Baptist Church with my mom and uh, was able to, to hear and see him preach. And he was a man who, in my, in my view, crossed color line because he um, had very straight hair. He was very light skin. And he, in fact, historically passed for one year as a, a white person in college just to see how that felt. So but chose to be who he is in his life. And so it gave you a very different view of someone who was supporting not only African-Americans at the time, but also Jews who helped in the civil rights mu uh, movement um, very, very significantly. But also he went to Asian countries to lift them up as well. So very intriguing, interesting man. That is the exciting juice of what yeah. I do um, because I learned from it as well. And, and that to me is why I'm doing what I'm doing. To be in wonder, like, you know, to still love what you do, um, and to be in wonder about it and expectation allows you to be intrigued and to be honest and truthful. And so I realize what I've chosen is right up my alley. Uh, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You know, which is, That's right. That's right. It's very true about what that is. But you've also gotten to mix it up with some terrific actors in your life, other actors who you act with. It's not just you know, Brian Cranston, when you were doing Breaking Bad, now you're acting with Baby Yoda, you know, it's the child. <laughs> it's been a challenge to, you know, I come from the theater and I remember um, older actors and actresses would tell me, you know, you never act with, with a child or an animal uh, because they're gonna steal the scene and steal the show. It was wonderful to, to make Baby Yoda as uh, acquaintance on uh, Mandalorian. I have a funny story because I was with John Favreau standing on the side and they asked me if I wanted to meet Baby Yoda. And, and so I said, of course I would. And, and I realized the captivating nature of this um, mechanical child. It's really real, the way it moves, the way it looks. And, and what I particularly like is the mythological consequence that comes from the baby going inside and realizing it has this power. When I think the analogy to that is at a time where we so need to have that example of getting in touch with our own inner power and spirit to stay strong during this time of transition in our world, that baby is, is everyone's love. It's who we all want to be. Yeah, and you make uh, your character somebody who we think is up to no good with this, but at the same time, you leave open the possibility that maybe he's, maybe he's got some motives that aren't so negative, you know? This is, this is what's intriguing about playing a character with degrees of complexity, which you seem to always do. Maybe it's, um, I'm a little complex myself and I refuse to be totally dark, 
mm -hmm. uh, because that is a choice. Um, but I also understand that it's sometimes difficult to always be in the light. And one of the things that my youngest daughter who left this morning early always busted me on years ago was when she heard an appeasing fake laugh, she would say, cut out the fake laugh, you know, just be yourself. I said, well, maybe I, you know, I'm a little edgy and don't want everyone to see it from time to time. So what I'm saying is, uh, you know, we all struggle with what is the right thing to do that it is going to show a character that is all of both of those things. And then the character makes a choice. And so I'm trying to exemplify what our choices are in life, whether mm -hmm. we know it or not, or ask ourselves the right questions. I'm learning that from my mentors that that was the most important thing. If you ask yourself the right questions. So the guy really, you know, um, is a full human being. And that's, the complexity, complexity I like to bring to characters, because in our human world, even Adam Clayton Powell, he was a minister, he was a lawyer, he was a preacher, but he loved women and he loved jazz music. So he'd go out at night, mm -hmm. you know, and he'd drink and listen to jazz music. And he also smoked. It was a different time then. Does that mean he was a bad person? No. And not at all. It just meant he was a full person and lived his life the way he chose to. So I try to bring to all of my characters some level of everything. Yeah, which is which is a great thing. And I, among your many fans, you know, thank you for it. But I like the reference you made to your daughter about the appeasing fake laugh. Uh, you have four daughters, right? I do. Four daughters. So <laughs> growing up with them, how are they as critics of your work? It's interesting, my eldest daughter hadn't seen uh, any of my work and in fact, didn't see Do the Right Thing until she probably was in um, her pseudo film class in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she came out to the set uh, when I was shooting Breaking Bad in the fourth episode uh, where I had to do something very reprehensible and I had to turn to her, she was 14, she's now 24. And she said, uh, I said to her, just remember that what you're seeing on the screen is um, that's Gustavo, that's a character, that's not your papa. <laughs> and, uh, and so it ended and I had, she watched what I had done in that episode and she turned to me and she said, good kill, papa. <laughs> <laughs> in regard to my work, I think they, 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 um, they're very critical because they know you. When you have a family member who knows you and who doesn't want to always wax you and say how great you are, uh, they'll tell me the truth. That was good, but not your best. Or that was great, <laughs> you know? <And> so <laughs> I, the honesty that comes from that sometimes um, is, uh, is it, it, to me, it's always real, but I can always tell uh, what performances they really, they really um, respond to. Yeah, what were the ones they they responded to the most? Um, I did a, show, a movie last year in, in Albuquerque called Unpregnant, which I immediately after I saw the final cut, I went to the family chat and said, you must watch this because the girls were they're transitioning from teenagers into young women. And it has to do with the, the right over your own body to determine whether you need an abortion. And the storyline of that movie is so great, but it's really about friendship. And I play a guy in there that's a good guy that these girls meet on their journey. One of them get a legal abortion where she couldn't get it in her home state. And I thought it was political. It was personal. And I played a guy who was an anti-establishment person, so a little bit weird, so it was funny. They really enjoyed that. And I did a movie hero as well um, in Albuquerque called Stargirl, 
which is a wonderful book by Jerry Spinelli, which they had all read. So the ones that they call to more, my memory is coming back, Peter, it's taking time. It started with The Maze Runner. And I knew my girls had all, they had read all, one of my children had read all six books. And so that was a specifically wonderful experience because my daughter explained to me what the story was and who I was within it. Mm -hmm. And then they all went to the premiere and they were just thrilled because it was something they could really relate to. And it was a young adult title and I wanted to do it specifically and especially for them and all the other young adults out there in the world. So that was a great experience. Yeah, I was going to ask you because you played such a multitude of people. And is, is there a character that you could tell me that you played of any of them that's most like you and a character who is most not like you? Wow, that's such a great question. I'd say the character that most resembles me, um, if you were to sprinkle in a little bit of edge, a little salt, <laughs> maybe a little little picante pepper, would be <laughs> would be my character in Star Girl. Because I'm part teacher, and you know this character was a teacher, but he was also in a way someone who wanted his privacy and drifted off to a small camp in the middle of nowhere where he taught young people what it meant to uh, learn about paleontology. And so that to me was interesting. He loved science. He loved teaching, but not in the traditional way. So I think that would be most like me. Um, the, the most different from me, um, I would have to say, would be uh, Gustavo Fring and Moff Gideon. You know, the guy who that they're, they get a little afraid of. Well, the thing about Gus, though, is that he's so is, is stoic in a way and, and still, you know, and I'm talking to you. And I see somebody who's an animated person, you know, somebody who relates to things that are around them and does this while Gus keeps everything like inside in that way, which is scary. It can be scary. It, it absolutely can be. And part of what I realized that we don't quite do as human beings, as well as we probably could, is we the ability to really listen. If I'm really listening, I'm, I'm not racing in my brain. I'm hearing what you say. Mm -hmm. And that takes a focus and concentration. So with Gustavo, I just slowed everything down for myself to really hear, to really look, and to really observe. So when you're doing that, it's a different focused effort. And it's not just existing on the light, fluffy level, right? Yeah. So then something happens in the timing. And I wanted that to be the space that Gus came from. You know, he's not only hearing, but he's really listening. He's not only looking, but he's looking through you. So he can see all of your tells, all of maybe your untruths. Mm -hmm. And that makes people uncomfortable. You know, this is the first time you've been on, on my show. So I'm excited that you are. But we always end with a little snippet of song. And I'm just wondering if there's a little snippet of music in your head that you can close this show with. Oh, wow. What kind of song or melody is in your heart? Maybe it's opera, maybe it's Broadway, maybe it's pop, maybe it's rock. I don't know what it is, but I'd love to just hear a little snippet from you. Light sings all over the world. Light sings all over the world. Light sings. It's a song of hope 
Uh, the sun comes up, the moon goes down, a new day's on its way. People appear and happiness is near. I don't remember all the words, but it's a song that beckons every day with a new hope and light sings all over the world. What we see, what we look at, what we create, what choices we make for ourselves are very important and it becomes habit. And for me, I'm re-envisioning my whole life um, right now. And I think that I encourage, the world will always be a revolving um, creature of circumstances, but whatever your circumstances are, you can start to say, I'd like this. I would like to see this. This world, this world, my mind holds this world. My mind holds this world in its hands. Oh yeah, this world, this world, my mind holds this world. My mind holds this world in its hand. You can be the master and guide of your ship. Hold the world in your hands. Allow your mind, your heart, your head and your hands to come together. And if you don't dig what you're doing in your life, I don't care what age you are, change it and do something you love and enjoy. Peter, boy, you this has been, I, I just wanna be on your show all the time. I, I'm, I can't believe I haven't done this with you before and that you haven't been in my life before, but let's make sure that we can connect from time to time. I would well, really we'll love meet it. every Tuesday, you know? <laughs> in this post-pandemic world, if we ever meet again, uh, you know, I hope it will be in person. And I, from my heart, Thank you so much for doing this.